Largely regarded as one of the best shoot-em-ups of all time, Ikaruga was originally released in Japanese arcades on the 20th of December 2001. It made its way stateside with a GameCube release on the 15th of April 2003. It was a different time, and the world was a different place. Ikaruga itself was a very different game. It managed to take 20 years of concepts in the shoot-em-up genre and do something uniquely different with them. Today, we're going to take a look back at the uniqueness of Ikaruga alongside a very special guest. We'll go back to 2003, talk about our own experiences with the game, look back at it, and how it came to be. Curious to learn more? Stick around and join us as we take today's trip down memory card lane. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello and welcome to the 33rd episode of our Video Game Nostalgia podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week we look back at one title released during the current week in video game history and we talk about it. While doing so, we try to teach you something new about the game and the world around it. This week, we're going to take a look back at a, one of the best 2D shoot 'em ups of all time, Ikaruga. 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 As always, I'm joined by my co-host, who also fancies himself a treasure because he thinks he's God's gift to the world, my brother, Rob Casson. Rob, how's that attitude working out for you? Brilliantly, like the shining diamond and gold. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking, about, uh, speaking of God's gift to the world, we're not alone today. We have another guest, Rob. We do. We do. Except I brought backup this time. So go me? Yeah, you can go. <laughs> so uh, who, who'd you bring? I, well, I'm get, okay, I'm getting to it. I thought that it would be very appropriate to bring the person who is the only reason I know anything about this game, one of my closest friends in the entire world, my, one of my good friends, Ryan Shepard. Ryan, you over there? Hello, hello. Ryan, I have a quick question for you that I've decided I'm going to start asking all the guests when they come onto our show. What is your earliest video game memory? Like, just knee-jerk reaction. What's the earliest video game memory you can remember having? Okay, so I'm in the bathtub. Okay. I'm five, I'm five years old, and my siblings come home with Mario Brothers 3. So naturally, I cut that bath short, and I got to work. I I I'm really interested by the fact that so I'm in the bathtub. I mean that's okay. All right. So you remember Mario Brothers 3 being excited about it and interrupting bath time. I'm sure that I played the original, um, but for some reason that mem that memory of I gotta get out of this bathtub, I'm not missing out on this new Mario, that's what sticks out to me. <laughs> awesome. Oh, man. So, Rob, back to you. What are you playing right now? Um, <laughs> what kind of a question is that, Dave? We all know what I'm playing right now. You're playing RuneScape right now. In general, what are you playing this week? How's that for a question? RuneScape. 
<laughs> no Apex this week? No, I did actually play a, a small amount of Apex this week. Uh, you know, got a couple more wins in with the with the guys. But uh, yeah, just uh, a lot of RuneScape catching up on my animes. Back to the RuneScape. Ryan, how about you? What have you been playing this week? My life exists within a Minecraft bubble, and that's almost about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I I can confirm that since we're Discord friends that yours does say Minecraft a whole lot. As I say, there there may also have been a smidge of a few days as well. <laughs> well, good, good. I'm glad to hear that because we're going to be talking a lot about it. We needed to refresh our memories, uh, be them fond or not. So, you know, I wanted to kind of go back. Uh, the game we're talking about today came out for the GameCube, April 15th, 2003. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that would have been our freshman year of college, right? Would have been the end of our freshman year. Would have been like spring of freshman year. That's right. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. And there was a lot of stuff going on in the world. You know, April 1st, uh, April Fool's 2003 was unique for a couple of different reasons. For one, Red versus Blue, the one of the earliest mm-hmm. Machinima series I can remember made its debut on April Fool's Day. So good. It's so, so good. And the one thing that everyone thought was a hoax, which actually happened on April Fool's that year, Square and Enix merged together to become Square Enix. I mean, it's just common for it to be Square Enix now. But that happened, what's that, 18 years ago now? Oh my god, that's 18 years ago now. Old. If they were a, a, a person, they'd be a legal adult now. I hate getting old. I remember <laughs> when that happened, and now I, you're making me feel really bad over it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good, because Misery loves company, because normally I feel really bad about it. <laughs> Back in 2003 in the world, the uh, Iraq war was still happening. Uh, just before this game came out, uh, Baghdad was captured by coalition forces, U.S. included. Ryan, do you remember that really famous photo of the statue of Saddam Hussein coming down in the square? Like, yes, the, like they pulled the head down with ropes and everything? I do. That was this. That was this week, too. And and more interestingly for me, we were in the middle of a SARS outbreak when this game came out in 2003. So 18 years ago, we were the world was global pandemic freaking out for SARS COVID one, and here we are 18 years later with COVID 19, which is actually co- SARS COVID two as a strain. It's the same family, just the second variation of it. Hmm. Which is could this? It started last year. What could this 17 do? This must be some kind of conspiracy. We need to look into this. Someone do the math. Oh, but it's crazy to think about that. The like, like, so the coronaviruses are a whole family, but it's this respiratory one, the SARS one that's really dangerous. And it's just crazy to think about that. We were freshmen in college 18 years ago, you know, getting ready to play this game, among others, which we'll cover in a minute. And the world was freaking out because you know, because of a, co- a coronavirus, I guess history, history does kind of repeat itself, man. The first one was an outbreak in China in November. They didn't report it to the WHO until February of 2003. People around the globe started freaking out in March of 2003. Sound familiar? The genome was mapped in April 2003, by which they started doing like public health measure health measures, you know, wash your hand, wear a mask. Uh, luckily, though, that one was was contained by July of 2003. 
it wasn't like now we're we're you know 18 months no i'm just kidding was it 14 months in now 15 months 17 years apart like the cicadas oh my gosh she's on to something <laughs> uh you know on television american idol was in its second season way back when which is just crazy to think about the West Wing Clay and Clay Aiken. That's it. That was my boy. The second season is the only season of American Idol I ever watched. So, yeah, him and Ruben, Ruben were uh, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. That, well, I, after that, I don't know. I haven't kept up. I, don't I thought, know. oh, I didn't Kelly Clarkson when I think that was the first season. That was Ruben Sutter the first season. No, Ruben Sutter won the second season. Uh, just oh, Kelly Clarkson won the first season, and Justin Gordini was the runner up, and the second season. Ruben stuttered one and Clay Aiken was the runner up. Gotcha. Okay. Also that that year, the NCIS, which now feels like it's been around forever because it has the pilot episode was during April, 2003. Kind of crazy to think about. And look, nice. the music, the top of the billboard charts was in the club by 50 cent. Good Lord. Who's that? And I was thinking about reasons why. Look, today's game, I don't think a lot of people know of this game. I, I think it's a little bit of a niche, a uh, little bit of a niche game. You know, it got some notoriety, but I just want to point out all the other games that came around around it. Like Devil May Cry 2 was in January and around my birthday of that year, Xenosaga Episode 1 came out. But more importantly, in March, right before this came out, we got Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire and Zelda Wind Waker. Ryan, how are we not glued to Wind Waker at the time? How did we squeeze this in? At the time, there was no such thing as a bedtime. <laughs> it's so true. Oh, how the mighty have fallen! I day up to three a.m. Yeah, we were we were not we were. Do you do you remember that? Do you do you remember the fact Ooh. that Wind Waker was mixed in with that Wind Waker was mixed in with this? Frankly, at my age. The whole generation is a bit of a blur, so it doesn't surprise me. I don't. I don't remember them being so close together, but they were really released like a, only what three weeks apart, roughly. We likely, there likely the answer is we had just played so much Wind Waker that we had beat it within three weeks and just had the ability to move on to to our topic for today. That's highly highly likely. Yeah, three weeks. Get out of here. You had it done in three nights. I don't think so. Wind Waker was kind of big. You know, the Ikaruga was developed by a company called Treasure. And, you know, like usual, we're going to, I want to take a moment, kind of talk about Treasure. They were founded, they were founded, they were founded in 1992 by former Konami employees that wanted to explore their own original game concepts. They were basically tired of of Konami. They were tired of Konami's Reliance sequels, right? So prior to this, members of what would become Treasure had worked on Konami titles such as The Simpsons, Bucky O'Hare, Super Castlevania Four, Contra Three, The Alien Wars, and Axelay. And in 1991, Masato Magawa, who had found Treasure and later become its president, he began planning an original game that along with several other Konami employees, they were working on what would become Gunstar Heroes. They pitched it to Konami, who rejected it. And frankly, they just they wanted to work on their own stuff, so they left. And so what it was, was that on June 19th, 1992, they formed Treasure. 
the name coming from them wanting to become a treasure to the industry. And the staff wanted to make Gunstar Heroes, which would be their first game for the Genesis, because they felt that technologically it was more suited for the visuals and the gameplay they were looking for. We've talked about that before, haven't we, Rob? Like Mortal Kombat, didn't they didn't they note that the Mortal Kombat port to Genesis was more accurate? Or am I thinking backwards that the Super Nintendo one was better? Uh, I honestly can't remember at this point. Hmm. 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 So the guys from Treasure approached Sega for a publishing contact and a contract and, and Sega denied them because they, they did know them. They had no track record, no, no nothing. They were a brand new company. Coincidentally, not too long later, Sega would reach out to them because, well, Sega needed something. They needed a studio to work on a licensed marketing uh, release called McDonald's Treasure Land Adventure. And so Treasure picked Treasure picked up the contract. Treasure or <laughs> you know, I just realized I did all this research and I just realized that Treasure developed McDonald's Treasure Land Adventure. That's kind of a, a little bit of a tongue twister. It's kind of funny. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, fine. <laughs> Ryan, help me out a little bit here. Good lord. Man. Let's workshop this bad boy. <laughs> So Treasure started working on McDonald's Treasureland Adventure alongside Gunstar Heroes. And while they finished the McDonald's game first, they decided that they were going to finish and release Gunstar Heroes first so their first game could be an original. And so it was. Gunstar Heroes became the first title released by Treasure. It was a, a really good shoot 'em up very Contra-like, uh, released for the Sega Genesis. If you'd like to play it, it's currently on Steam for about 99 cents. It's uh, it's a it's honestly it's a good co-op shoot 'em up. So, McDonald's on the other hand was a platform game, uh, based on McDonald's McDonaldland marketing campaign. Ryan, do you remember McDonaldland at all? I was practically raised in McDonaldland. Wasn't that their like like didn't they have like the Playlands and everything that was redone as McDonaldland? Isn't that what it what it was and uh, didn't they do cartoons and stuff around McDonald Land? See, I remember like the McKids game or whatever. Oh yeah, we had the McKids game. Ryan, did you ever play the McKids one? I don't think I was uh, able to participate in that. Man, I remember that one. This one, I don't. This one was not as cool as McKids. I think McKids was a, a good game, but this was uh, this was just a real basic one. I I don't know which came later. And so it would be that Treasure was going to work on Sega titles. You know, they made Dynamite Heady, which was a platformer. They made Alien Soldier. They made Light Crusader, which was a run. I think Alien Soldier was a running gun and, and Light Crusader was a, a, a rail gun game. What, what Treasure would later be known for, what they are known for, was showing up really early in their history, right? So right off the bat, they made a shoot 'em up. They made a platformer, another shoot 'em up, a run and gun, and a light rail game. The one thing Treasure has never done was pigeonhole themselves into one game type or genre. They may be known best for a few games, but even to this day, they are the type of developer that just makes whatever. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, we can talk about that as we go along, but literally, like every other title was a different was was a different genre was a different genre um 
it, I don't, yeah, it was a different was genre. A comedy. Was it comedy? Yeah. <laughs> a comedy of errors is what it was. <laughs> good one. That's a good one. Oh, so they moved out of the Sega Genesis era and they moved into the Sega Saturn era, right? And they would make uh, Guardian Heroes, Mischief Makers, and Silhouette Mirage, which was platformers, I believe. Um, and then in 1998, they would release their first arcade game, which was a shoot 'em up called Radiant Silver Gun. And you know, shoot 'em. We're talking about a shoot 'em up today. This is this is one of their shoot 'em ups. They move into the 2000s. They did not start the 2000s very well. They were making another one called Gunbeat that was canceled. They made a couple games called Slipheed and Stretch Panic, both of which were just slammed by critics. It wasn't until 2000 that they'd make uh, for the Nintendo 64 a rail shooter called Sin and Punishment. Now, Ryan, I you know we were talking a little bit before getting on uh, this recording today. You have Sin and Punishment. Not back then, but now, correct? That's right. I never played it back on the 64, um, but I was able to sample it on the, I, be, I believe it was the Wii Virtual Console that it, uh, it, it came to. Now, you did that after, it, that by timeline, that would have come after your, your playing of Ikaruga, right? Yes, yeah, significantly later. Do you have a preference between the two? Did you play enough of Sin and Punishment to have a real uh, opinion on it? N- I mean, yes, in that it's it, it's a solid game. Um, frankly, my heart lies with Ikaruga. <laughs> As it should. While Treasure was making Sin and Punishment, they would start development of Ikaruga. Uh, Ikaruga would be a spiritual successor to their first arcade game, the earlier shoot-em-up called Radiant Silver Gun. Ikaruga was released on the 20th of December 2001 on arcades, and it was released for the GameCube on April 15th, 2003, hence why we're here 18 years later talking about it. Now, like I said in the very beginning, I would probably know nothing about this game if, if it wasn't for Ryan here, and I'm curious, Ryan, where in the hell did you come across this game? So this just speaks to the power of marketing. So, yeah. Just to take one step back, back in 2003, the internet was a simpler time. There were not 10 billion websites, you know, so at the time I was. Did we did we even have a Facebook back then? I don't even think we had a Facebook back then. You did. I thought you did. That was pre the book. Facebook was in 2003. Facebook back then wasn't I mean, Facebook it, back then like limited? Like we could only have it with our college people. Like it was, it was still, oh, still it was in the, 2004 is when Facebook correct. came out. Yep. February, 2004. There you go. So pre Facebook. That's right. And at the time it was limited just to certain college campuses before becoming the. All right. Sorry, Ryan. It was just a much simpler time. Social media, social media was not a thing yet. <laughs> well, we had MySpace, didn't we? That we did. So right. So at the time, I was a you know devout follower of IGN because let's call it lack of options. But at the time that you know that they put out a lot of very favorable coverage of this game, and they you know their preview included this you know ridiculous quote that you know just ended up on the actual U.S. released box art. Our frothing demand 
for this game increases. Who the hell thinks that up? Our frothing demand. What is a frothing demand? Like, you want to play this game so much that you're just basically you're frothing at the mouth. Frothing at the mouth. You're ha- you're you're basically you're you're basically you you have rabies for this game. Precisely. <laughs> and so I thought to myself, well, whatever the hell it is, it must be pretty good. Touche. Because you're frothing at the mouth for it. Okay. Well, was it pretty good? Was it good? Was it was it everything it was cracked up to be? So my history with shoot 'em ups is relatively sparse. Uh, so while I had played, you know, shoot 'em ups before, I'd never particularly experienced, you know, what I affectionately call the the bullet hell genre. Um, so it it was quite an, an education. I bet. I bet. Well, let's let's talk about the gameplay. So now we are here. It's April. 2003 we're sitting in what's likely your dorm room around the hall from mine or would this have been you would have been upstairs for me at this point doesn't matter we'd be sitting in your dorm room playing this on gamecube and uh it was a lot of fun so for those of you that don't know uh ikaruga is a vertically scrolling shoot 'em up so it's like your old shoot 'em ups where you're ship is at the bottom of the screen and the and the the enemy ships are coming from the top and and shooting at you but this one has a very unique element to it does it not uh well i would love to answer that question i was getting some audio skipping on my side (laughs) it's okay this shoot 'em up has a very unique element to it that uh, that that's that's unique to this shoot 'em up the polarity switching, absolutely the polarity switching. I, I uh, okay. So you basically have two colors, black and white. That's the polarity switching. And when you're a and you switch with one button, when you're black, black bullets don't don't affect you. You absorb them. And when you're white, white bullets you absorb them. And so this game wasn't just a shoot 'em up in that you had ships coming towards you and you shot at them. There was some strategy involved because the the bullets would come at you in waves. That's the concept of bullet hell that you have these very intricate patterns that you have to like learn and maneuver your ship through. And this one added the fact that you could absorb bullets. So it wasn't so much just avoiding bullets, it was also absorbing bullets. So switching to black when the black bullets were coming at you in waves and switching to white when white bullets were coming you at waves. Yes. Yeah. Did I cover all that? It's also, it's also a tale of the story of race in America. Is it really black and white? I got it. Okay. All right. (laughs) I'm so slow. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Ryan. You know, I, I saw an opportunity. I had to take it. <laughs> oh, but what, okay. So back to the gameplay. When you got your hands on Ikaruga, what stood out to you about it? What what you, you were frothing at the mouth for it? You know, you picked it up. You got it. We sat down. What what were your impressions of it? Uh, first of all. Uh, basically screaming at the top of my lungs, how the hell do I stay away from all of these bullets? Yeah. Oh, 
right, I, I switch to that bullet's color and I can ignore them, I can absorb them. Uh, and then quickly learning, you know, it's extremely easy to die if I'm not paying attention. Uh, once you get really good at the game, you can, I don't know, 45 minutes or less probably. Um, but at the time, just getting to the second level felt like a, a huge you know accomplishment well it's not like it's not like you know people people listening may be like okay well that's cool when the white bullets are coming at you you switch to white when the black bullets come in it's black it's not like it was like a steady wave pause switch steady wave pause switch like you literally had patterns where it was like in quick succession black white black white black white black black white white black black white white like you had to learn there was a certain puzzle like element to switching and learning the patterns because they weren't they they weren't simple. Yeah, that, they weren't simple in any way, shape, or form. They were bullet hell is a a really good bullet hell is a really good description for the genre, frankly. Yeah, so certainly, you know, when you've before you've started to recognize those patterns, it's just panic, like what the heck am I doing here? Uh, before you start to kind of see the way you know can get to the next screen get to the next level you know in the original prototype for the game they originally designed this game with limited ammo and you know this mode would be later become one of the bonus modes in the game but originally the way they designed it was that you switch the color and absorb the bullets and these were the bullets that you could fire back to to against the enemy and this mode was ditched because before the enemy was shooting at you, 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 there was no action. Like you, you, there was, there was all this downtime because if you didn't absorb the bullets, you had no bullets, and that was just deemed to be no fun whatsoever. And you're right; it's a very short game. It's, it's a, it's. Look, this game is hard. It is stupid hard, and I don't know if I've ever beat it. To be totally honest with you, you know, and and you can play it as single player. You can play it as two-player co-op. It's got three levels of difficulty. And I, st- hell, it even has a practice mode where you can play it at normal speed or you can play it at slower speeds to learn the pattern. And I still don't know if I've ever actually done it enough to go through it. Um, but it's funny to think that it only has five levels. It only has five levels. You're right. You can beat it in 45 minutes. But I don't think I've ever beat it. Ever. 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 I don't think I've beat it ever. Ryan, have you beat this game? Uh, yes, in normal mode, uh, but yeah, couldn't uh, couldn't handle it at the uh, higher higher difficulty. Do you try any of the special modes? I know that there was like that bonus mode with the Zord bullets, and there was also the bullet eater mode, which they didn't they put that on the cover. Yeah, there's a bullet point on the uh, on the back of the box. Uh, about this cool bullet eater technique um you know i i did try the bullet eater mode and i i may have got through the first level but uh you know it takes a lot of patience to sit there and not just empty your cannons and start blasting what's on the screen (laughs) rob so bullet eater mode is you can't shoot you have to get through the entire game just by absorbing bullets that that's it. That's how you get through the game. There's you can't fire at all. You just dodge basically. Wow. Yeah. And the thing of it is, is it's a bullet point that's on the case. But don't you have to unlock it in a special way, Ryan? Like it's not it's not a, a straight up 
mode that's available to you? Uh, correct. You have to unlock it uh, through completing the game. <laughs> oh, so a bullet point on the case is is like a extra mode. It doesn't say that on the case. It, it advertises one of the main bullet point features of the game, but it's actually an extra mode that you don't unlock until you you beat the game. So they they needed a bullet uh, point for the back of the box. <laughs> what else is on the back of the box? Do you still have that with you? I sure do. What else is on the back of the box? What are what are the bullet points in the back of the box? They've got a quote from the Art of War by Sun Tzu. Uh, couple pictures and then how many bullet points how many bullet points does it have other than the bullet eater one how many others are there there are a total of five bullets all right what's the first bullet read me the bullets see this is this is the the art of advertisement experience battle in 18 different stages oh 18 well (laughs) that's counting each difficulty i think well well, there's three levels stage. of difficulty in five stages. Where's the other three come from? Uh, I'm guessing menu credits. <laughs> hmm. Practice menu? I don't know. I mean, the the practice modes may may count in there too. Yeah. Uh, what's all right? What's the next bullet point? <laughs> you can select to play it in vertical or horizontal mode. Oh, do you ever? I I can never remember playing in horizontal mode. Right. Ever. So, so the game itself is. You know, think uh, portrait mode, like a a phone, right? Mm-hmm. But all yep. the TVs at the time are, are widescreen. So they had a mode where you could play it essentially sideways and you could, I guess, lay down on the ground and look at it and take up the full screen. Uh, alternately, you're playing on a, a relatively smaller portion of the screen. Do you remember your TV at the time? Yeah. What were we still were we still rocking old school CRTs? Yes, we were. Yeah. So, I, were they even? They weren't even widescreen yet, they were, were not, they? They were four four by three. <laughs> so take your you know thirty eight pound twelve inch TV, set it on its side <laughs> so you can take up more of the screen. <laughs> oh man! All right, what's the next bullet point? Uh, the bullet eater mode. Okay. What else Next they ever point? Post high scores on the Ikaruka website. Yeah, didn't they give you a code when you finished that you had to use the post on the website? Isn't that how that that worked? Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Uh, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like now where we, you know, our gaming systems are everything's connected to the internet. The GameCube for didn't initially. Eventually, it had a, a online device. Didn't it have that? Um, cause... Yeah, it was like a thing you connected to the bottom of it, yeah. like the Game Boy Player. That's really overstating it. Yeah, yeah. And it had about as much, had even less use than the Game Boy Player. <laughs> <laughs> now, that yeah, that's accurate. I'm sure you did. Oh, I wish I had a Game Boy Player. In all honesty. Oh. <laughs> Oh, but the, and there were oh God, the the freaking online capability, of the GameCube. There wasn't the games themselves didn't have anything. Didn't you have private servers for things? Isn't that how it worked back then? So the Mario Kart game for the Cube was Double Dash. Mm-hmm. Great game. However, if you could find a bunch of friends and get four, you know, at the time <laughs> CRT TVs. Four systems, 
uh, 16 controllers, uh, four copies of Mario Kart, and four copies of the, uh, the network adapter device, then you could connect them all and do a giant Mario Karty LAN. Uh, actually, it, I, I think I'm wrong. I think it'll be eight players. But yeah, I don't think it's yeah. 16 either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Regardless, uh, that was about the most widespread use of the adapter. I it, By 2003, the only one we had, did we even have, we had Xbox Live at that point. I think that's the only one, though. Um. No one else. There was no PlayStation Network yet, and there was no, definitely. I mean, we still don't really have a Nintendo Network, so <laughs> I'll get back to you in twenty years. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm impressed that Nintendo has something nowadays. We do get to play Mario Kart together with moderately little issue, but let's be honest, no. Nintendo. Even yeah, to this the, day, the Switch Online is totally state of the art uh, compared to the original Xbox. <laughs> and I love Nintendo. <laughs> Go Nintendo! Oh my God! Ugh. All right, what's that? <laughs> so, so you can you get a code, you can post it online to know how your stats compare against other Ikaruga players. What is the? Is there one more bullet point? It just talks about two-player mode. They were really stretching, you know, to fill the, the box here. <laughs> did you ever play it in two-player mode? Uh, yes. I don't remember. Did we? I don't think. We, I don't know if we ever played it. Maybe we. Maybe we did like once or I twice. Mean, but I don't it, remember two-player to mode. To me, it was a novelty. I. I don't think I, I. I played it too terribly much. I mean, the game's hard enough. And then you're d- you're doubling the amount of ships on the screen and how much bullets there were. It didn't make it um, easier. Yeah, it, yeah, it didn't make it, it easier. That's for sure. To, yeah, it's hard hard enough to know what's going on with just your screen. Oh man, do you remember the story at all? That it had a story. The, the story is basically on the back of the box and in the instruction manual. The well, my recollection of the story in the game is is very abstract in that, you know, there's very brief quotes that come up on the screen as your ship's kind of transitioning into the level or out of the level, um, but not much, you know, in detail. There's no voice acting uh, back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, and I didn't even, I didn't really know it had a story because it doesn't feel like a story to me. It feels like every time you beat a level, you're treated to like, you know, Inspirational, uh, quote. Confu- inspirational quotes. I was going to say Confucius quotes, but inspirational quotes is actually pretty apt. So Confucius quotes may be a little uh, stereotype, but uh, yeah. So it has it has it has a story, and as it goes, it's you know the the story. And this is this is manual. It's a several several years prior. The, the ruler of the small island nation of Horai, Ten Tenro Horai, and I'm probably butchering all these names like I normally do. He discovered an incredible magical power deep within the ground that gave him godlike strength. The Ubusunagami Ukinokai? Does that sound right? Sure. I don't know. Nailed it. Tenro and his followers used his power to conquer other nations. A rebel federation called Tenkaku emerged to challenge the Horai. They fought to free the world of its conquest, but lost battle after battle. 
Eventually, they were almost completely wiped out, except for one young man who survived Shinra. What is Shinra? That Shinra just came... Oh, the guy was named Shinra, huh? That's right. Yeah, yes. Shinra set off the battle Horai again, but he was shot down and crashed in a remote village called Ikaruga. The village was inhabited by people exiled due to the Horai expansion. The village inhabitants saved Shinra from the plane wreckage and nursed him back to health. After healing, Shinra stated that he was still determined to continue the battle. The villagers entrusted him with a fighter plane they had built themselves called the Ikaruga, which was specifically designed and hidden away in a secret underground location beneath the village. It was the first ship built to utilize a switch between the two energy polarities, black and white. I I had no clue there was that much of a backstory to this game. I'm not even going to lie. The time you took to read that is more than the time given to the story in the entire game. <laughs> like, you hit start, and you're shooting bullets within 20 seconds. There, there's, there, yeah, there's no cutscenes here laying out the background. No, I will, I will tell you, you know, because... In a, in a, maybe, I don't know. You know, in, in a moment, we'll, we're going to roll into, you know, critic and user reception. It, But, I, you know, kind of looking back on our views of it, it was a good looking game for the time and a good sounding game for the time. That's for sure. I, I, I don't know. It had impressive. Did it not have impressive visuals? Oh, yeah. Tons. I mean, yeah, for the time, great graphics. Tons of you know, explosions going on, you know, at any time, you know, bullets flying at you, you know, very overwhelming, very impressive, and largely sticks to a very stable frame rate. There's a handful of parts at the end of the level at boss enemy explodes where there's some slowdown. I don't know if that's intentional, overwhelming the system at the time. Yeah, I mean, it, it is pretty smooth for the most part. It, um, I don't know. It was a good look. It, it was a. It was. I remember. Well, and I, I mean, we played it recently. It was a pretty. It's a pretty game. At the very least, it's a pretty game. It. It. It doesn't. It doesn't feel. It's not a plain Jane, boring shoot 'em up. There's something about the artwork of the game itself, and even the bullets. The 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 way they come at you in waves. It the patterns are almost mesmerizing. Um. And I just think it's a really pretty game. I do, even still. But hard. It's incredibly hard. Just like, you are not lying when you say screaming at your screen, man. This game is so hard. I can see it being very relaxing to watch someone else play it. And just being able to take in the visuals and, and not worry about, oh crap, I'm about to die. Yeah. All right, well... Now comes the time when I like to make fun of uh, uh, critic and user reviews. Like to sit back and have Rob present them so I can make fun of them. So Rob, why don't you take it away from here? All right. So we start with GameSpot, who gives this game an 8.5 out of 10. Written by Greg Hassavin. Kasavin? I wish I knew how to pronounce it. Mm. But anyway, written by Greg, was Ikaruga is truly a shooter fan's shooter yeah yeah ikaruga is a true wow ikaruga is truly a shooter fans shooter it follows many of the genre's 20 year old conventions and you'll find it very challenging even if you've been playing games of this sort all your life it achieves the impossible it's an accessible over-the-top extremely intense highly challenging 
utterly action-packed space shooter, but one that demands the utmost of care and restraint on behalf of the player. Fans of space shooters owe themselves the opportunity to play Ikaruga, a game that was designed both to impress their sensibilities and to challenge every ounce of their being. Yet anyone who appreciates what makes a truly great game should be able to recognize Ikaruga for its elegant design and aesthetic beauty. Make no mistake, it's not some wistful nostalgia for a bygone era of gaming that makes Ikaruga so appealing. <laughs> Rather, it's the knowledge that Ikaruga takes 20 years of great ideas in game design and somehow manages to put an entirely new spin on them. Not for novelty's sake, but only for the sake of making a game that's both familiar and utterly unique. Ryan, I... Holy I, shit, that was really hard. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna laugh so bad. <laughs> nice, for starters. Ugh. Ryan, um, I want to call bullshit on that a review because it says that it, you it demands restraint on behalf of the player. I don't remember exercising any restraint. I don't remember having the time to breathe, let alone exercise restraint in that game. Am I missing something? Uh, well, at the end of each level, it grades you. And, you know, so to the extent where you can shoot the different color enemies with the right color bullets by switching your own polarity to match, you'll get a higher grade. And so if you're looking for the high score, trying to rack up that combo, uh, th that's certainly where some of that restraint comes in. Because, yeah, when I played, I was holding that trigger down the whole time, right? <laughs> right. I do agree, though, that it, it does bring something new to the gun shooter genre. You know, uh, it, 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 he's right. It's a genre that had 20 years into it. You know, Space Invaders on on Gradius and 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 our type isn't that that's in there too. Life Force. Um, it, it took a lot of a lot of things from that genre and, and brought something new to it. This is the first bullet hell game. This is the first bullet hell game I ever remember playing. What about what about you? Do you remember an, uh, any bullet hell games before this? So, I mean, outside of things like Space Invaders, which I don't really consider to be bullet hell. I'm trying to recall here. Uh, I, I recall like Space Harrier. I think that was on the Genesis, I think. But outside of that, this is certainly the, the one that you know, brought me to the, to the genre. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, what about you? I, I know you don't have a lot of experience with this game, but do you have experience with the bullet hell genre? Um, I The one that I'm most familiar with is the embodiment of Scarlet Devil. That's a new one for me. Well, the major reason for that is that there's a popular, or I don't know how popular it is, but there's a theme from that, UNON is her, that I heard a lot because in college I used to play OS with my roommate or well, not my roommate. He was my roommate later on, but at the time we weren't roommates. Anyway, I used to play OS a lot with my friend Kiefer and you know, when it was her was one of the toughest songs that we played on there. And I wanted to find out what it was from. So I found the game and played it. It was really fucking hard. <laughs> I never got very far. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right, well, let's move on to the IGN article written by Tyrone. I don't know why I put that voice on the name, but read, read Tyrone's article anyways. Tyrone from IGN said, Call me an old school gamer, a shooter freak, or what have you, but I will buy Ikaruga. It's just that good. Sure, it's a bit on the short side. Ikaruga is a fantastic example of clever game design. Slap on some beautifully modeled visuals, a fitting soundtrack, and fantastic effects, and we have a winner. 
without a doubt, this is a better game than Radiant Silver Gun. For one, Ikaruga takes itself far more seriously with no The Price is Right music or campy anime characters spoiling the otherwise fast-paced action. I feel more like the last Starfighter when I play Ikaruga. He does go on to say that he does have to mention that Ikaruga is a shooter, and it's a shooter's shooter's bah, and it's a shooter's fan's favorite. But wow, why am I? Isn't that so hard? Everyone calls it a shooter fan shooter, but that's a really hard phrase. Yeah. Tyrone does go on to mention that Ikaruga is a shooter, and it's a shooter fan's shooter. If you don't like intense, mind-numbing shooting action, then you're going to hate Ikaruga. However, if you grew up on heavy doses of Ikari Warriors and Gradius, then you'll probably feel right at home with this one-of-a-kind Blastathon. Five more stages would have been nice, but that's nothing a sequel can't cure. Uh, yeah, about that. About that sequel. <laughs> I don't think Treasure ever did go back to this, did they, Ryan? No, sadly. No, they did. They did not. They did not. What they have done for the last 18 years is bring this game back over and over again because there's a ton of remakes for it. It was on Xbox and it 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 was on the it was released on the Switch like three years ago, wasn't it? 2018. That's right. Yeah, there you go. Released on the Switch and all the ports have gotten really positive reviews. So they're doing a good job of bringing it to modern platforms. I mean, it's no Skyrim, of course, but uh, they're they're doing a good job keeping keeping it, you know, fresh in the gaming culture. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. Uh, I was reading an article, you know, four or five years ago. IGN did a like a top, you know, once a week. It was like a Tuesday article. They do top tens. They did a top ten for t- best 2D shmups of all time. Shoot 'em ups. And they voted this one the third best shooter of all time. So in case you're wondering, Ikaruga is the third best 2D shooter of all time. And if you were wondering, the number two shooter is called Dodan Pachi, and the number one is called Einhander. Einhander was a um, Einhander was a PlayStation One shooter made by uh, Square. I think it was before it was before it was Square Enix. I don't think I can even see. Well, we just covered that this is when they became Square Enix. So I don't want to date myself. Rob, you ever heard of Dodon, Patchy or Einhander? Can't say that I have, Dave. God, dog it. So you we don't know anything about this genre, huh? Nope, guess not. Man, terrible. I know it's the worst. (laughs) Yeah, that. A lot of treasure games never made it stateside, though. Um, I mean, they got a whole catalog of games that were that were not released for Western audiences. So, not that those games are um, Radiant Silver Gun, and then they had a Bon Oban Guy Spirits. I think was the other one of their shooters. Those are typically rated up there. Um, but yeah, so critics all called it the shooters shooter fan shooter, right? Shooter. Yeah. Fan shooter, shooter, fan shooter, shooter, fan shooter. How's that go again? What? Shooter, fan shooter. Shooter, fan shooter. Shooter, fan shooter. Shooter, shitter, shitter. Shooter, shitter. <laughs> I knew it. I knew someone I, was going to get it. I, well, I think in Ryan's case, it's the shitter, fan shooter. So that was a that, that was that was that was a, a, a play on, on you, you, your shitting abilities, Ryan, in case you missed it. The like shitter, shit you're 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 a fan of the shitter, so it's a shitter fan shooter. Okay. Eh? I think you're eh? saying your words there. <laughs> How much have you had to drink tonight, sir? 
Not enough. All right. So critics liked the game, but how do users feel about it, Rob? Am I am I well, talk, Dave. am I talking into space tonight? I feel like I'm <laughs> Oh, I don't feel like this is as fluid as normal. Did I hit a delay button somewhere? I think it's possible. Yeah, I know. I know. Maybe All that right. stuff with the noise suppression slowed everything down and you're and you're actually experiencing time at a faster rate than the rest of us. Maybe I'm like the flash running so fast that time is going backwards. No, it seems smooth to me. Sure. <laughs> God damn it. All right. How do users feel about this uh, game, Rob? Well, for Moby Games, user John Collins says that the gameplay is amazingly simple and complex at the same time. But this game is tough is quite possibly the largest understatement ever. I have never in my 10 years of hardcore gaming experienced a game which can touch the difficulty of this game. Well, this provides for good replay value. It also provides a, for good replay value. It also provides. Wait, what? <laughs> I just. I must have typed it in twice. <laughs> I was going pretty quick last night. <laughs> well, this provides for good replay value. It also provides for. No, that, that's good to know. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. Oh, okay. Now that I know it's there, I can, I'm going to be less confused. What else does it provide for, Rob? Oh. Uh. Well, this provides for good replay value. It also provides for good replay value. It also provides for large headaches and an assortment of four-letter words that would certainly not make your mother proud of you. I think it has good replay value. <laughs> Ryan, does it have good replay value? I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of the audio lag that you were talking about. It's okay. Oh, it has good replay value, guys, in case you were wondering. Ooh. That it does. After considering, I'd say the replay value is it's good. Yeah, it's good. Excellent. Excellent. Glad we can all agree. <laughs> also for Moby Games, user XEOX says that Ikaruga is the new game in a dying genre. It's a space shooter in which you control a ship that can change color to vary effects in the game. It's packed with speed and powerful graphics to add onto a cutting edge pure gameplay mechanic. However, it's not all rosy posy. To be honest, this is one of the hardest games I've ever played. Also, the game is small, and it has a distinct lack of storylines. That's not true. Well, it's because we didn't read the manual. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why, but I really like the phrase, it has a distinct lack of storyline. It's not just it has a lack of storyline, but it has a very distinct lack of storyline. Like, as in, you can distinguish its storyline from another type of lack of storyline, as if there's more than one type of being a lack of storyline. It's very distinct, just to be clear. I don't know why, but that phrase just tickles my funny bone. <laughs> it's a distinct lack of storyline. <laughs> Not to be confused with a broad lack of storyline. Wait, wait, what? This lack of storyline smells like this. Well, this lack of storyline smells like this. So this one's very distinct. <laughs> I, I mean, the... I would say that Mortal Kombat has an indistinct storyline. <laughs> True. I don't think there's any. Uh... There's not a lack of storyline. Just think back to <laughs> Ubusu Nagami. Okay, I know. I know. It has a lot of story. We just covered that. We covered all about the guy named Shinra and, and the hidden ship named Ikaruga. And that the villagers built the ship in an underground bunker so they could fight against the Hanoi, Haroi, H Hanoi, I don't remember, 
And and yeah, it was the first ship ever that could re, re- switch between polarities, good, black and white. All implied. <laughs> just think black a storyline. It's not for everybody. Oh, all right, Rob. What's the next one have? <laughs> well, John Doe on Metacritic gives us a 10 rating. They go on to say that the game is amazing in all qualities, whether it's the beautiful design or great challenge. This game is a must-have for any gamer that wants a good challenge or that just wants to blow some stuff up. This game is a little short, but if it were to be any longer, then a person would probably go insane of frustration before the end of the game. That's probably true, actually. Ryan May said he screamed at the screen. But if he screamed at it for too long, we would have to have had him committed to an insane asylum. Not, so, is this supposed to be a did. great challenge or a good challenge? Because I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it had a beautiful design or a great challenge. It couldn't have both, though. Just to be clear, it was one oh. or the other. One or the oh. other. So it's just it, it's for you, and it's a must-have for any gamer that wants a good challenge or that just wants to blow stuff up. But by proxy, you can't have both. You can't blow stuff up uh, and have a good challenge. That's where the, bu- so, that's where the bullet eater comes from. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. I got one more. I think I put one more review. Yeah, I put one, <laughs> one more review uh, that honestly, I think I, I think I can relate to this review better than any other of the reviews that we've gone through so far so well take it away all right so demonic angel on metacritic gave it a 10 rating and he writes first let us get one thing straight i really really hated playing this game (laughs) the 10 rating is entirely for the game's innovation complexity and sheer beauty unfortunately these games are showcased in a game which is so unbelievably hard and relies so much on reflex, memorization, and persistence that most normal people will probably give up before the end of the first level, which is so true for me. Oh, all right. This is a game, he writes, whose mechanics stretch back to times of yore when games couldn't rely on graphics and sound, instead having to go all out on pure challenge. Mortals, rent first, and try not to snap the disc in half. Hardcore shooter fans of old will love it, and for such, it fully deserves the 10 rating. I'm not going to lie. The, the, the notion of giving up before the end of the first level and, and not liking the game is really kind of how I feel about it. Sorry. It doesn't mind it's kicking okay. you in the face. It doesn't kick you in the face. It curb stomps you is what it does. <laughs> I mean, Look, it's it's a it's a pretty game and it's a unique game. And I I think I think in the right mindset, it's a really fun game when you want to sit down and you want to be challenged. I'm too old for that shit at this point. I don't want to be challenged anymore. I'm not even going to lie. This game may have been fun 18 years ago. Oh, shit. We were in college 18 years ago, Ryan. God damn. (laughs) We would have like gone through school two times over at this point in our life. Oh, okay. So 18 years ago, I would have had the time and the patience, you know, to sit down and be challenged. But I, I don't anymore. Rob, we've talked about this before. I don't, I don't do challenging games anymore. Yep. Ryan, 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 did you go back? You went back and played this again, didn't you? I sure did. 
Did you get anywhere with it? Well, it certainly showed the difference between my memories of how good I was at the game and how good I am today. Uh, certainly two very different pictures. Uh, yeah, it it was definitely an adjustment. To Aren't our reflexes supposed to be better? Like we're older. Free. Like, are we supposed to are we supposed to have honed our reflexes by now? Uh, obviously wiser and more handsome, but, you know, you, you got to make up the difference somewhere. And so for me, that's that's the reflexes. Mm, yeah, give some you win some, you lose some, I guess. Or if you're playing this game, you lose. That That's it. There's no sum or anything else. You played Ikaruga, you lose. <sighs> well, that's a fun trip down memory card lane. Uh, Rob, any questions or anything else you'd like to know about this game? Um, no, no, it just sounds like I need to give it a try for myself. Yeah, you like challenges. You'd probably really like the... I don't know if you'd really like this one, but you, you'd probably get a kick out of it. It's hard. We should give it to Damon. That's what we should do. That little shit loves... loves being beat up by video games for some weird reason. That makes sense. Uh, Damon likes a challenge. We should give him we should give him this game. <laughs> so oh Ryan, before we move on, is there anything else that you'd like to to tell our listeners about this game? A question you want to ask? Would you like to implore them to never play it ever again? Now's your chance to get last little bit in about this game. What you got? If you're looking for an easy, good time, move on somewhere else. I, I wish you had wrote that. If you're looking for a really easy, fun game, play Ikaruga. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll use that as the tagline for this episode. If you're looking for an easy, good time. Yeah. So I would say if you're looking for an easy, good time, give this game a <laughs> shot. <laughs> Oh, you'll love it. It is it is so distressing. I have never been so relaxed playing a video game in my entire life. The tutorial actually <laughs> was very helpful. No. Oh. Yeah, I I I if you like hard games and you like shoot 'em ups, you'll love this game. I don't know if it's going to appeal to other people though, but to each their own try it that's the only way to know try it cool well let's move on let's cruise right through to the end of this episode i have a question for y'all it's the gaming question of the week and rob i'm gonna start with you why because i like you that's cool so if you designed your own video game i know right if you designed your own video game or you wanted to see a game made that hasn't been made yet what would it be? Mm. Mm. I mean, I really wish you could get more like motion capture and like more like simulate. I would like a, a more realistic simulation. Like you do a race simulator and it's more, you feel more of what it is or like a flight sim. You can feel the G's and feel the turning and hear everything. It's just more and, you know, like we, I know we've talked about like moving further into virtual reality and what it can accomplish, but just like, I guess I don't know if that would really be the case. If that counts. No, I mean, if you, you want to, you want to see a simulation game that's more immersive 
than what we have now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Simply put, that's cool. I, I, yeah, that I think that's, that's more of a technological limitation than anything at this point, huh? That, yeah, absolutely. But they're work, they're working on it. Maybe I'll actually use my degree for something. There you, there you go. There you (laughs) go. All right, Ryan, how about you? If you designed your own video game or you wanted to see a game made that hasn't been made yet, what would it be? And just to break it to you, My Little Pony has already been made. So that's off your table. Okay. Okay. Uh, Just scribbling. The scribbling was a nice touch. Well played. Thanks. Okay. So, um, okay. Well, that, that takes care of that. Okay. My backup then. Okay. Old school JRPG with a story as detailed as Ikaruga, as explained in the game, not the manual. So, picture you wake up and you look at your brother and you're like, well, should we climb to the top of that mountain? And he says, well, we could, but it'll be full oh. of monsters and things that we'll have to fight along the way okay no story you just climb the mountain what's at the top of the mountain the summit jeez dave come on there's there's no twist that's the twist i i you know i i don't know it if relies it's on the gameplay mechanics exactly like i i can't does. argue with that it's it's a jrpg in its purest form absolute pure form and i think it would be very challenging for people to 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 get to the summit it would have to be it had to be something real special real real special barely an inconvenience (laughs) (laughs) yeah just a a quick walk to the escalator that takes you to the top it's not bad we should make that well you guys you're the programmer come on yeah i know probably the hard part would be getting down from the top of the mountain you could jump I mean, after after that walk up, as inconvenient as it be, anyone would want to leap them, throw themselves off a cliff, frankly. So uh, it'd be pretty easy to get down. Just my take on it. It's pretty dark. I know. I'm sorry. I took your not. I took your I took your jovial jaunt up a mountain and I went real dark with it. I I still kind of take it. Me too. Man. (sighs) I like it. I like it. So we should go into the video game design. Design. Um, we'll call ourselves the, the bipolar company. I don't know. Hey, do you think this game is bipolar in more respects than Ikaruga? Just to go back for a second. Do you think that I, Ikaruga is bipolar in more respects than just the polarity? You know, I mean, that's one thing of it, but it really is a game that's both fun and not fun at the same time. Can confirm can't confirm. no actually <sighs> what about you you know i i i as rob said program and i like to mess around uh i've designed 10 gajillion games but i'm not an artist and i always hit walls with my art but like from the serious standpoint i have all sorts of weird things i want to do i I'll give you, uh, you know, I, I was just thinking of a couple of them. One example, since you brought up JRPG, is I designed a JPG uh, or an RPG, but instead of the stats being level based, like, you know, you fight and you get stronger and you go to level two, you fight and you get stronger and you go to level two. Oh, he's playing his game. No, I'm playing Ikaruga. What the fuck? 
Oh, how the hell did you get a Karuga? Did you buy? Did you buy it while we were sitting here? There's a here? free demo on uh, Steam. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, well it's it's crazy. So shit. Um, so I developed an RPG where I wanted to develop a leveling system around age, and so like the story would be about you know you becoming a young guy and becoming older, but your stats would level up like age wise. Like if you were a warrior class when you were young, you had a lot of strength, but as you got older, you'd get weaker and have to rely on other stats. And it'd be the opposite if you were like a mage class. So like, you know, as a teenage mage, you weren't that wise and your magic wasn't strong. But as you turn into an older wizard, you got uh, stronger because your magic, because your wisdom got better. And I was writing a story that was more like a life, you know, span of a lifetime that had to play off these game mechanics. So it was kind of weird. I don't know if it'd be any good to be honest with you, but it was that different. Interesting. That's for sure. Um, is there any chance Ooh, you could incorporate the Donkey Konga controller? Can you, can you imagine <laughs> just designing a game and then someone goes, I like it, but can, can, can we make it play on a bongo? <laughs> I mean, someone actually yeah, did that. I, yeah, no, I, 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 I sure can. I I certainly can incorporate the um I I think it's going to take some time. I'm going to have to rewrite the basic control class for the entire game to be able to include inputs from the Donkey Kong controller, but I do believe that I have the technical expertise to do so just just to be clear. So I think we're good. That's a very reasonable request, Ryan. Thank you. I think that'll really allow us to expand and reach new audiences everyone, everyone has a conga controller i'm sure i owned donkey conga i have a donkey conga controller i my copy of donkey conga itself broke but i still have the controller somewhere i can't do anything with it now though because i don't ha- i don't own donkey conga actually i bought every stupid music game I bought every stupid music game back then. I loved music. Ga- I still, I mean, I still like music games, but I bought every stupid music game back hey, then. Hey, they were a so. lot of fun. I remember why I was so jealous when you got Donkey Kong. I wanted to play it so bad. Yeah, that one was Donkey really Kong weird. One, two. They eventually really, had really the uh, the side scroller shoot 'em up that, or this side scroller offshoot that used that same controller. Yeah. That was actually really good. But, oh, you know, right. Well. So that'll do our gaming. That'll do it for our game designs for this week. And yeah. So I think that's going to about do it for our episode. Um, I am going to skip a little bit. Um, Yeah, that's going to about do it for our episode for today. So I'm going to start by saying thank you, Ryan. It's been a lot of fun having you on. I really appreciate you joining us. I hope you enjoyed it, too. You have to come back again. It's fun talking about college because that was a long time ago when life was way more simple. Way more simple. Was it? Uh, yeah, it was. It was. So before we take it out, before we take it out, this is I'm going to give you one last chance. Is there anything that you would like to add to today's episode? Well, I mean, would this be an opportunity to, to plug my, my book? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have a book? What? No. But if I <laughs> but if I did, I would definitely plug it at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, this would be the appropriate time to plug your non-existent book. Look. So, 
So the second gaming question of the week is, if you had to design your own book, what would it call, what would it be called and what would it have in it? If I had to design my own uh, book. Hmm. I, uh, Rob, seven. On the topic of video game things we designed, did you, did you know that I I wrote and and sketched the art for a video game children's book? Really? It used video games to tell to teach kids manners like sharing your controller with your friends and other fine anecdotes like that and i never i never finished it it's another one of my unfinished video game projects are and it it, yeah i I gotta find it it had i took i took nursery rhymes I, i i took like common children's nursery rhymes and fables and i rewrote them to apply to video game situations so it's somewhere sounds like fun Thank you for plugging your book, Ryan. I appreciate that. I will uh, put the link on our website, uh, which is www.memorycardlane.com to Ryan's non-existent book. Also on www.memorycardlane.com, you can find show notes. You can find my biography. You can find links to old episodes. You can find links to our Patreon if you would like to donate to this fledgling podcast. For only $2 a month, you can become one of our patrons. Uh, And you can also find links to our Discord, which is where we record these episodes and where we also go for ideas. If you'd like to share your stories or your ideas, you can join our Discord, interact with us, and go on and so forth. Um, Also on on www.memorycardlane.com, you can find links to our social media. I'm on Twitter as David underscore is underscore wrong. Rob, what are you doing on social media these days? I can be found on twitch.tv forward slash F-A-T-B-O-I-R-I-P-Z. Ryan, what are you doing on social media these days? A hot mess of nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Rob, I got all the plugs in between. But of course, what do you have to, to add to today's episode? Well, as always, I just want to say thank you to everyone for listening. It's a whole lot more fun. We have other people on here, which means it's a whole lot more fun when you interact with us. So, uh, you know, we're going to keep doing this, whether you're there or not, but it'd be a lot more fun if you were. So let us know your thoughts. Yeah. Or come join us. I'm always uh, interested in having other people on. It's always nice to get different perspectives. So, all right. Well, I think that'll do it for today's episode. Oh. Uh, looking right, right. You got anything? Any anyone have anything else to add before I take it out of here? Okay, good. Be kind nope. to each other. Yeah. Be kind to yeah, be kind to each other. Live by the golden rule. Treat others the way you'd like to be treated yourself. That was that was one of the fables in my children's book. I don't I don't remember how I applied it to video games, but I did, I promise. Sure. So next week, guys, we're going back to 1989 and bringing gaming back to the palm of our hands. It's back to the handheld era and the Game Boy as we look back at one of its launch titles, Super Mario Land, and then we'll also be looking at the sequels in the Super Mario Land series. This is a series that gave us Princess Daisy, and it introduced Wario Wario to the world. Wario nowadays is, I mean, he's a thing, but back then, uh uh-uh, not a thing. And also gave us this weird alien villain named Tatanga, and we're going to talk about that. So... We're going to look at a whole lot of new Super Mario weirdness, basically, 
little tiny Mario weirdness. I actually can tell you exactly where I was when I beat this game. So we'll talk about that next week, too. So join us again next week if you want to learn all about Mario by land, by ear, by sea. And if you're confused about that, join us next week for a pint-sized trip down memory card lane. Ba-da-da-da-da-boo-ah. Zoink.